today, you showed up on a good day because God has got a word for you and a word for all of us, and I'm excited. Let's pray and get started today. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Number one, you're amazing, and there's none like you. And we give ourselves to you, Jesus, and we pray that you would just speak to us in such a powerful way, like only you can. Uh, you're amazing, and we trust you. And we pray that you would just develop a passion inside of us for the things that you're passionate for. Once you align our motives with your motives and get us on point to where you want us to be focused and where you want us to go. We love you, Jesus, and your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So we entitled today, Get Desperate. So anybody, you uh, can align yourself to that, to get desperate. You ever been desperate for something? Desperation is a crazy thing. And, you know, there's a couple things that, you know, you need to know about desperation. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there when, uh, you know, you get hungry, you get desperate for some food and you start looking for food. But desperation is a crazy thing. And right now we're going through a book called Seek God for This City. And I'm so excited about the journey that we're on right now for the next 40 days of just absolutely seeking God for our city. Um, and I want to challenge us today to get desperate and what that looks like in our lives as we pursue God. Because our desperation is connected to his delivery. And when we increase our desperation, he increases his delivery. But we have to increase our desperation first for God to pour out who he is into our lives. And sometimes it's the craziest thing because God is always, always on the move and always in a good mood. He's always wanting to pour out his blessing and favor in your life. A lot of the time, most of the time, he's waiting on us to get in position to receive what he has for us. And a lot of times, you know, we're waiting, oh, God, won't you move, won't you move? And I'm sure he's up in heaven looking at the angels saying, who is he talking to? I am moving constantly. But a lot of times we don't align ourselves with what God's doing. Um, I don't know if you've ever played hide and seek, but that was the go-to game when I was a kid. Um, it was like, what do you want to do on a Friday night? Hide and seek. You know, it's just the thing to do. So one time we were playing with this one kid. And I don't know if you've ever played with this kid, you know, that kid. That um, He counted. We were all, it was freezing outside, but we were like, let's play anyways because hide and seek is worth it. So we're outside, we're hiding, you can see your breath, all this jazz, and this kid counts, and then he goes inside and watches TV. Now, we don't know this, but, you know, we're waiting, I'm like freezing, I have the best spot ever, you know, you're, you ever have those spots you're proud of? You're like, oh man, no one's going to find me. And so like, you know, minutes go by, turns into an hour goes by, and finally we come out, we're like, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to call him out. But I'm like, we're like, hey, where are you at? And here he was inside waiting. So we were hiding in vain. That just gets me mad even just thinking about it. And uh, I think about the promises of God and how God has these amazing things for us. And that's how sometimes we treat it is that when we don't seek it, it's hiding in vain. It's like these amazing miracles and, and life change and this amazing destiny that he has for us is waiting for us to align ourselves and start to seek it. And when we do that, when we start to move towards him, that's when God can really come alive. In Second Chronicles, I was reminded of this, 714, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their, heal their land. And there's a, there's a couple things in here. It's humility is number one, 
And humility is dropping your pride to pick up someone else's, right? It's like dropping your agenda and saying, you know, it's not about me. It's not about who I, what I think is right. It's about picking up God's uh, agenda and what he wants to accomplish here on earth. And sometimes, you know, we have to humble ourselves and drop the things that we think are so important. Because God has a plan for you that was made from the beginning of time. I mean, can you imagine God and his, creating the universe? He had you in mind. And he said, in 2017, they're going to come into Philadelphia. And I'm going to place a dream on their heart to change a city. And they're going to randomly meet in this Pennovation Center. It's going to look like, wait, a church is meeting where? You know, it, it's not going to make sense. But, but God knew this before the beginning of time. And he has destined you at your job, where you're working, who you're with every day, the people you're meeting on a, on a, on a constant basis. And God has exactly the things laid out. If we'll humble ourselves, pray, and seek his face. And the seeking is the hardest part. Because it means for us to do something. You know, there's a lot of times that you'll, you'll you know, be believing that God can do something and, and, and really have good intentions. You know, you might be thinking, God, I believe you can make this happen. I believe you can change my city. I believe you can change my family. You can change my wife. God, that'd be a big one to change my wife. You know what I mean? Like some of us, you know, we have these kind of conversations where we're like, this is a huge thing. But God, I believe that you can do it. But we don't put action to it. And I don't know if any parents have ever lost a child somewhere. But if you lose a child in a store or at the beach or whatever, I was always the kid chasing seagulls. And so my parents were always like, where's Lige? You know, they just follow the birds. I was like, you know, Pocahontas, following the wind wherever it took me. And um, I don't know if you've ever lost a kid, but all of a sudden when you're in a store and you notice your child is not there, everything else in life drops to the bottom and the priority is your child, Right? All of a sudden, it doesn't matter that you need eggs, milk, and bread. All of a sudden, now that matters is you need to find your child, and you need to find them now. And you're pushing people, punching, you know, you don't care what it takes. You're pushing things off aisles. You don't care because it's your child, and you're seeking him. And I wonder what would happen if we got a desperation for God that matched that desperation level, that all other priorities became little compared to our priority of getting with God and seeking his face and hearing what he has to say about what we're doing. There, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are just not right. There's a lot of things that are just not right. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed how many homeless people are in Philadelphia, but there are a lot. And the other day we took out um, the, the, the bags to give out to the homeless and, uh, you know, just walking up to I'm trying to think of where I am. Uh, we were at Tower Theater, and we walked down to um, the Life Center in Delaware, and then we walked over to 69th Street Station. And just to go into 69th Street Station in the main lobby, I mean, we were surrounded by homeless. That's not right. That's just not right. You know, there's some things in your life that you'll see that are not right that you have to seek God for. Um, you know, another thing is the, there's still women being sold into sex slavery. It's not right absolutely not right. And uh, there's people that are dying and going to hell without knowing the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's not right. That's absolutely not right. And if we'll get an attitude to say, not on my watch, what would happen? What would happen if all of a sudden what we believe became reality? You know, because you've heard the saying, faith without action is dead, right? That's what the Bible says. Faith without action is failure to see the reality of our calling. 
When you live in a, in, in, a, in a world of thinking, oh, I believe in God and I believe in his miracles, but you do nothing with it, you live in a false reality. You're living a false Christian walk. You know, you can believe all you want, but if you don't put any action to it, you're actually not living out your calling at all. But when you put action to your faith, and you say, I will do whatever it takes, and I want to challenge us as a changed team to really be seeking God right now. Because if we get desperate, I, I, believe, I believe here's the deal. Like God has this amazing outpouring that he wants to pour out on Philadelphia. He wants to pour out in your home. He wants to pour out in my home. And so God has all this ready for us if we will align ourselves. And so today I want to challenge you uh, that God would speak to you and that you would, you would get it to say, you know what? It's time to get desperate. It's time to get desperate. It's time to stand up and say, not on our watch. Absolutely not. There are people that are dying going to hell. Not on my watch. Um, and, and, and my prayer is that we don't just see the problem and know it exists, but that the knowledge, get this, I, I want the knowledge to turn into passion and the passion to turn into action. That's the steps. you got to take the knowledge of knowing what's wrong. We all know it, right? You drive by the homeless, they're begging for money. You know it's there. But then when God starts to work on you and, and align your eyes with his and your heart with his, all of a sudden you start to break for those people. I've never cried so much in my life. Now I cry every day I'm driving to Philly. You know, I, I see these homeless and all of a sudden I'm starting to cry. I'm like, I've never cried before. What's happening? I'm aligning myself with God's heart. All of a sudden the things that break his heart are starting to break mine. Now I, we're doing the coffee cart all the time. I'm passing out cups of coffee. You know, that would have been nothing. But now, every cup of coffee, I see who's on the other side of it. And all of a sudden, I say, this could be somebody that was either hurt by the church, hurt by religion, you know, and, and thinks God is, is some mastermind that's trying to destroy their life. You know, this, this could be life and death and the balance. And it breaks my heart. And I wonder what would happen if we aligned ourselves with God's heartbeat. And all of a sudden, we started to flow and started to look at life with different eyes. And we started to see the world through the eyes of Christ. What would happen? Because it's not enough just to believe that change is coming. We have to do something about it. It would be, it'd be crazy if you would look at your car and you would say, Car, in the name of Jesus, move. But it has no gas in it. People would think you're crazy. Go on, go outside right now. Empty, siphon all the gas out, and you just lay your hands on that thing, and you pray, and the spirit, you go nuts. Anoint that thing with oil, okay? Pour some vegetable oil all over it, and you just pray, 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 and see if that thing will move. Um, I'm not saying God's not, it's not possible, but it's funny that we, we think that the vehicle of change is going to just take off if we don't put gas in it. You know, we have to add gas to it, and I think so many times we, we almost pray with the gas tank in our hands. You know, we pray to God, God, let our vehicle of change move. Let it move. And I think, you know, God has a sense of humor. I think he's looking down at us and saying, get some gas in the vehicle to move. And he might even add in, you idiot. You know, <laughs> maybe. But sometimes I think we, we're, we're trying to do things. And insanity is just doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. 
And I think sometimes we're in Christian insanity, you know, because we're like, we just believe the lost are going to come to Jesus. We believe in miracles. We believe in all, but we're not doing anything behind the scenes. We're not seeking his face. We're not inviting anybody to come to church. And when we just, oh, we believe we're going to fill the tower. We're going to fill, I mean, think about it. That's Christian insanity. Oh, we're just going to move mountains. But when's the last time you fasted and prayed for mountains to be moved? Right? Get desperate. Get desperate. And, and that's my prayer is that we, we get desperate. You know, on your seat, uh, we gave you a stack of invite cards. I want to challenge you to participate and engage in the vision of what change is doing here in Philadelphia. Okay? I want to challenge you to take part in what's going on. Start inviting somebody because you never know who you're talking to. It could be someone that their grandma has been praying her guts out for that person. Maybe their mom has been totally getting on her face. And maybe it's a child that was prophesied over long ago that has not yet seen the fulfillment of that uh, prophecy come to place. But because you showed up, because you showed up on the scene now, God can do an amazing thing in that person's life. So I want to take us uh, to Isaiah 61. And it's a scripture that, um, you know, I'm, I'm revisiting it because I preached on it uh, a while ago when we were doing Captives No More. But I, I was revisiting it because I really believe like God is speaking something specific for right now for us. And so uh, you have to know the backstory. This is Isaiah's prophecy long before Jesus came. And so he prophesied this about Jesus. And then later in Luke, we see Jesus actually coming to the temple and he's wanting to preach and they give him the scroll of Isaiah. And he finds this part, Isaiah 61, uh, verse one through three. And he reads it aloud to everybody. Um, but, but this is the prophecy spoken over Jesus that was fulfilled when Jesus was here. Now, the thing you have to understand about this prophecy is it's not only for Jesus, because when Jesus left, he then said, you are going to do the things that I did. In fact, you're going to do greater things than I did. And what the spirit that I was working in, now you're going to work in. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, you know, the whole nine yards. I'm going to send the helper to help you. And you're going to work in that power and greatness. And so this prophecy is not only for Jesus, but it's actually for us as Christians and as we walk in the authority. So I want to take a look at it. Isaiah chapter 61, if you have your Bibles or your, your light-up Bibles, you know, the ones that glow in the dark, a.k.a. iPhone. Uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1, and it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Now, we got to stop right there because how many know it, it all matters whose authority you're walking in, right? It, you have to know whose name you're under. I remember we were at a conference, and Pastor Choco de Jesus was preaching. And I say his name like that because he was so powerful. And he just was this mighty Puerto Rican, you know, and mighty Puerto Rican, Derek. And, and he, was, he, was, he was getting it. And so we were all pumped up and inspired. They had lunchtime, and so we were all lined up for miles. And there were so many people there. And we were in the back of the line. And all of a sudden, Pastor Choco passes us in the line. And I'm there with a couple guys, and we're like, Yo, let's follow him. So we put our heads down and we just followed Choco, right? We're following him to the front of the line. He's going right to the door. We're like, oh, my word. And this is the part where, you know, you don't make eye contact because it's awkward, right? And you don't want people getting mad at you. So you just keep your head down and we just walked all the way to the front. 
And the lady was like, pa Pastor Choco, come right in and let everybody in. And then they, she stopped us. And it was like, oh, snap, we're caught. She was like, excuse me, who are you? I'm like, here we go. I'm thinking to myself, we're going to the back of the line. We're going to have to do that walk of shame right by the people that we just walked by. You know, it's going to be awkward turtle. You know, <laughs> here it comes. And so um, I remember we were like, uh, didn't really have anything to say. And Pastor Choco turned around to her, and he said, oh, they're with me. <laughs> what? So we walked in with Pastor Choco and got to sit with him and eat with him. But it, it matters who you're with because he had the authority to walk in. We did not. I mean, we, we were nobodies at this conference. But because Pastor Choco said, they're with me, all of a sudden we had the right to enter into the place that he had authority in. And that's who you, what you have to know. You can't go places on your own, but when the sovereign Lord is upon you, you can go wherever you choose because all of a sudden his authority says, ah, 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 ah. he's with me, she's with me, she's my child. And because he's your father, because he's your king, because the sovereign Lord is with you, all of a sudden you work in a different authority. And all of a sudden things have to move, doors have to open, doors have to close behind you because you walk with the sovereign Lord. I love it. I love it. Uh, association gives you access. That's what we got to know. When you're associated with the king of kings, you have access to the king's dominion. And so everywhere you go, you work in authority. Remember that. The next verse says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, this is great news. Um, there was one account that was from the shepherds. And so back in the day, Way back in the biblical times, the shepherds had their sheep, and the sheep would get these lice that would crawl up their hair into their ears, and they would burrow themselves and kill the sheep. So it was a bad thing. It wasn't just like, oh, my sheep's got lice. It's like, my sheep's dying, right? So that's not a good thing. So what the shepherds would do is they would take oil and pour it over the sheep's head, and it would run down and make their wool slippery. So the lice couldn't crawl up into their ears. So it was a protection. So this whole word anointing literally is a covering or protection over those chosen to do something. So that the enemy or nothing can come in and destroy those that are anointed. You always hear about the covering of the anointing, right? And, and, and I believe that God is anointing us to go places that we've never been before, do things we've never done before, and we might be scared to death, but we have the anointing over us, which is the covering. And that should make you feel real good because God's covering is the best covering. It's the best insurance you can buy. It is. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So he's anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. Hallelujah. And I love it. And, and, and you know, uh, I was trying to think back to like when the whole uh, frustration happened in, in me of bringing church outside the walls. Um, you know, sometimes I think we can get a little confused at going to church versus being the church. And if you're in the, if you're in the cycle for too long, you can confuse the two and start thinking that going to church is being the church. And so you start to get confused and think that that is what we're called to do. And I remember it was at college because all growing up, we were in the church, you know, from the time I was five years old, I got saved, you know, you know, and, uh, and so I got saved when I was five and just all life I was in church. 
And I remember when I went to college was the first time that it broke me out of my mindset. Because up until then, it had all been in the church. We do services. We preach. You know, that was just Jesus. You know, that was living out your calling for God. But I went to school, and I met a guy named Webb. Now, Webb rocked my world. And he was the total opposite of me, okay? This guy, it was like he was a big black man, and I was a small white man, right? So the two didn't, it didn't make sense, but our friendship blossomed, and we became really, really, really good friends. And our, our conversations would always go, I mean, here I am, you know, born in church, raised in church, called to the ministry, you know, I'm gonna, gonna be a pastor someday, and all this jazz, and, and here's Webb, totally on a different track. And I remember having those conversations late at night, where he's talking about the things he's struggling with, and I'm like, ay, ay, ay. I didn't know this world even existed. And it was like God was opening my eyes to say, this is being the church. This is proclaiming good news to the poor. It's not on a Sunday morning when we're all dressed up in our best and we all come together. You know, Sunday morning is a celebration of what's happening throughout the week. You know what I mean? It's coming together and saying, praise God, we just reached 50 homeless people this week. That's amazing. Let's celebrate that. You know, you, you talk to so many coworkers about Jesus. You got to pray with that man on the street. You know, those are the things we're going to celebrate on a Sunday. So Sundays aren't bad. They're amazing. It's great to come together and celebrate, have some coffee, grab some Chef Nye food, and, and rock it out. But the Monday through Saturday is the preaching the good news. And the scary part is when you leave these four walls, you're without protection, we think. But that's where God says, I've anointed you. I've covered you so that nothing can come against you. Nothing can creep up on you and destroy the calling I have in your life. And that's confidence you can walk in. That's where you can put your shoulders back and be like, yeah, baby, that's right. I'm doing it right. Because God, God even spoke in uh, John 14, verse 12. This is Jesus. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. But Jesus said, hey, anything you ask in my name, if you ask of me, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going I'm to make sure it happens. And I think, you know, uh, if you have a wife or kids, you understand this. If your wife or kids makes anything known that they want or desire, you'll do anything in your power to make sure that happens, right? Because you love them. And I think of how much greater Jesus' love is for us. I mean, I think my kids, you know, if Anne were to tell me, Daddy, I want whatever it is, I'd be like, baby, whatever it takes, we're going to make sure Daddy gets you that. And I think how much greater uh, Jesus's movement is towards us when we say, Father, I want this to happen. I want my motives to be aligned with your motives. I want my calling to be aligned with the calling that you have placed on me. I think of how much Jesus is going to start to move in our direction and say, absolutely, you asked for it in my name, let's get this done. If we'll increase our desperation. Yeah. The next scripture is all about what we're doing here, and I love it. It says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now that word bind up is a beautiful picture of this wound that's kind of uh, 
un, it, it's, it's exposed and, the, and everything's getting in, but the binding up is the bringing together the wound in a bandage so that it can come together and heal properly. I don't know if you know anybody who has wounds that are open, but if you've ever been with somebody who has wounds that are open, either from a childhood or something that happened to them, or you can even feel it when you bring up religion and they've had a wound happen to them in a religious um, you know, uh, aspect. And so you can feel the wound that is open because it's never been able to be healed. And we're called to come in and bind up those brokenhearted, the ones that are, are wounded, and bring them together so they can be healed by Jesus Christ. Because it's a lot of this alignment happening because Jesus wants to move, and a lot of times he uses us to make the movement happen. A lot of times when he sees hurt and pain and things going on that aren't right, he will send us to make sure that those, are, those brokenhearted are bound up. So, man, if we can walk in that and to proclaim freedom for the captives, I think of how many people in my life are in captivity and don't even know it. Y'all have friends like that? They're in captivity and they don't even know it. They're blinded. And that's why the, the next scripture says, release from darkness for the prisoners. And the only reason, the only way that people are ever gonna see captivity and darkness is when they see the light in you. They see the light shining through you. So we're called to bind, proclaim, and release. We're called to do things and to put action to our faith. Because if we don't add gas, there's no way that vehicle of change is ever going to move. And so I challenge you today, man, jump on board. Let, let, you know, here's what I would love. You know, we have eight weeks until we meet in the tower. Isn't that exciting? Eight weeks, guys, from today. And I'm so pumped. And you know what would be great is if for these eight weeks, we got a little desperate. You know what desperate people do? Desperate things. <laughs> they get crazy. They do the things no one else is doing. Not because, you know, it's the cool thing to do, but because they're desperate for the outcome. And if we want the outcome of seeing Jesus in this city, we want to see people come to know Jesus. Well, guess what? We got to add some gas. We got to add some gas to the vehicle of change so we can see this thing run and move. And wouldn't it be amazing if May 7th we walked in and you looked around and you saw all the fruit of the seeds that you've planted? Don't come and enjoy all my fruit, okay? Because I'm working my butt off. Get your own fruit. Plant your own seeds. Start to work in your desperation level. Let's together, collaboratively come together and say, you know what? We care about this city. We care about our friends. We care about individuals in a city that don't know Jesus Christ. And we're going to do whatever it takes because not on our watch. We're going to fill the tower with power. We're going to fill the tower with the power of the Jesus. And you know what? This city doesn't even know what's coming. But we do. We've seen it. We know it. We feel it. We're passionate about it. God's already shown us this city of what it's going to be. So now what it takes is now we put action to the belief. We believe it's going to happen. Y'all believe it? I believe it. I believe it's going to take place. So now we put action to it. Now we get up at 5 in the morning and we seek God's face. Now we get up whenever we need to and we, we go after God. Now we give up some things that 
you know, are, are precious to us. I challenge you, man, fast something. Because I, I can't tell you how much fasting makes you more desperate for God because you're desperate for that thing you're fasting. You know, a lot of times I'm fasting food, all I think about is food, right? That's all you think about. It's like crazy. Like right now, uh, you know, I'm doing the sweets thing. So every time I see sugar or sweets, you know how desperate I get for sweets? <laughs> like all I want, I don't even want anything else. I just want sweets. And, and it's in those moments, though, that you can turn that desperation and say, you know what? No. All I want right now is God. That's the reason I'm doing this. It's the reason I'm setting aside my earthly uh, hunger and desire because I desire God's movement in my life. And if you're desperate for a movement in your family, hey, start to fast something. Get on your face before God and say, God, I need to hear you. A lot of times, you know, and this is the, the difficulty that people have is they, they fast, but then they forget to pray. You'll fast something and then you'll forget the whole reason you're doing it. You know, it's like, well, I'm losing weight, I guess. You know, this is kind of a cool thing. But, you know, fasting is all about trading the desperation for, for things that your body is hungry for, for the things that your spirit needs to be hungry for. And so when you put up those things that are, are your body needs, you put in your spirit needs. And all of a sudden you become strong in the Lord. And you become walking in this authority. Um, and I love it. And my prayer is that our passion propels our purpose. That's my prayer. And this is the last part of this scripture. Um, because you know what? Passion is an amazing thing. I don't know if you've ever been passionate about something. Uh, well, you have if you're, if you're married today, right? You've been passionate about something. You know, getting that girl's phone number, right? Making sure she goes on a date with you. And then making sure you pass second base, you know, and kiss her. You know what I mean? Like, you've been passionate about something. Or you see that car that you want. Or you've been passionate about ministry or something. But passion has a way of propelling your purpose. Because when you put a desperation to it. And, and a lot of times, you know, we, we won't be aligned because we're, we're not in tune with what God's passionate for. And so we go off our own agenda. We think, well, what do I love? What do I like? But when you align yourself with God, all of a sudden his wants and desires become yours. And all of a sudden you, your heart starts breaking for the things that his heart breaks for. In verse 2 of chapter 61 of Isaiah, it says, this is the last part of it, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaim the year of of the Lord's favor. Man, when, when, we, when I preached on this uh, a while ago, I was so excited because we looked up the year of Jubilee and found out it was 2016. And it was the year we were in. We were like, oh my word, this is so cool. And it was amazing. And 2016 was a great year. And then 2017 came along and it was better than 2016. And all of a sudden, I'm like, yo, what's up? This isn't the year of Jubilee. And so I started doing more research. I'm like, this has got to be a mistake. Like, like there's, maybe it's extended in 2017. And I remember just going back to this scripture and saying, God, speak to me. Because I, I wanted to understand this. You know, every 50 years, the Jewish celebration and they, they cancel all the debts and all that stuff in the year of Jubilee. So it's a great year um, on the Jewish calendar. But, but here you find, as I was reading more, Jesus started to point out, hey, listen, I've, I've called you to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, not to just enjoy the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim it. So it's what you start to proclaim that what takes place. Uh, for instance, the other day I was in an Uber and I love Uber. It's amazing. It's Uber fun. And so I was in there and the guy was just going on and on about Philly and how it's a dirty city and it's, it's just disgusting and it's just been like this forever and it's not going anywhere and all. 
I don't know if any, any of you ever had this moment where something rises up in you, like you just talked about my wife or you just talked about my kids. You know, it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, so I got a little gangsta. I was like, excuse me, sir, I have to correct you. I said, because actually Philadelphia is one of the greatest cities in America, and it's, it's going to become the standard for the world. Actually, in 10 years, you're not even going to recognize this city because it's going to be a lighthouse to the world. And it's actually going to show the world what it looks like for people to work together because unity is the greatest thing the city has going for it. And we know how to work together. And actually, it's the city of brotherly love, which is crazy because we're bringing love back to the city. You don't even know the change that's about to take. And I was, I was just like, going, why? Because I was proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Is that reality right now? <laughs> no, absolutely not. But we're proclaiming it because we see it. And we're bringing heaven's vision to earth. And we're showing people what it looks like. We're, we're teaching people what Jesus has already spoken of from the beginning of time, of what this city's going to hold. Philadelphia is a great city. It's very strategic. And God's going to pour out his spirit. But it takes us coming in and saying, we're proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And I wonder in your family, if it's about time that you start proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor in your family. Well, we're just really going through a hard time right now. We'll proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What are you speaking over your family? What are you speaking over your relationship with your wife or your husband? What are you speaking over your job? Well, I just can't get a promotion. I just don't know what to speak favor over everything you do. Because there is power in your words. And the Bible even says we have the keys to the kingdom. You know, and I always say that, you know, your powers, your words are very powerful because you have authority to literally unlock doors. So you want that promotion? All right, start unlocking it. Or maybe it's at another job. Who knows? You know what I mean? Start to speak that stuff. And as we do, I believe that we are going to absolutely see the power of God move in a way that we've never seen him move before. Because we're going to do things that no one has ever done before. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this, but we got to get desperate. We got to get desperate. And when we align ourselves with Jesus and what he wants and desires for this city, what he wants and desires for our family, all of a sudden our eyes are opened to see what he sees. And all of a sudden, we don't see what's reality in the visible. We see what he intended from the beginning. And I love the scripture that talks about man's plans. He said man's plans are endless, right? There's so many plans on a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And that's what we align ourselves with. Yeah, we see things and man's plans are all over the place and everything's going wonky, but it's, it's okay. Because the Lord's purpose for this place is to bring about greatness in every single one of us. And it's about greatness in every single person we come in contact with because that's God's heart. That's God's heart. And I love this book, Seek God for the City. And if you don't have the book, uh, get the app. But I love it because we're praying over all types of people, single moms, the, the sick, those that are poor, those that are overseas. We're praying for all the different countries. I mean, it's amazing. It's opening my eyes. Pray for law enforcement, for the government. I mean, it's just praying for all the different kinds of people because you know what? That's what this church is gonna be made of. All those types of people. You know, we're even working on translating uh, what we're doing, you know, into different languages so that we can reach the world. Because it's not all about us. It's about everybody around us. And Jesus called us to make disciples everywhere we go.
So my, my question to you, what will it take to get you desperate enough to put gas into the vehicle of change in your life? Because I believe God wants to move in your life, but it's going to take you putting some gas into the vehicle of change, doing your part to see God do an amazing thing inside of your life. Would you just stand with me? I want to pray today. I want you to grab those cards. Would you grab those cards? There's nothing crazy special about these cards. They're not, you know, it's not like one step to Jesus and all that jazz. All it is is some dates about what things are going on and how people can follow. But this could be an invitation that changes someone's life. Every one of these cards could represent a soul that has been lost and hurting and in confusion. And maybe, just maybe, you're the one that's called to bring light into the situation of darkness. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. I want us to pray over these cards that God would not only make them a stack of cards to get rid of, but he would put names on each one of these cards. That all of a sudden we'd see faces. We'd see faces. And, and one thing I prayed, and this was one of those dangerous prayers, but one of, one of my prayers back in the day was, God, let me see people in eternity. And so, and to explain like this, like if I see someone on the street, let me see them in hell crying out to me, saying, why didn't you say something? You had the chance. Let me see that because that's going to create an urgency in me to do something about it. If I just see people like, oh, it's just everybody, oh, he's having a bad day, whatever, I'm not going to do anything. But when I see them in hell crying out to me saying, why didn't you do something? You had a gift. You had God's grace to give to me. That's going to change my motives. All of a sudden, that's going to wake me up to say, yeah, hurry, hurry, get some gas in, get the gas, you know, let's, let's get some gas in this motion because we got to make this move. We got to get this vehicle going. And so I want us to pray. Would you just start to lift up these cards right now and say, God, put a desperation in my life. And you guys can just play. Can you just play at worship? Oh, you're so good. But God, we just, we pray that you would put a desperation in our lives. God, put a desperation in our hearts. Put an urgency in us to see your kingdom come to earth. Oh God, we need you. We need you, Jesus. God, show us the things that are just not right and put an urgency in us to do something about it. That we would get off of our lazy bones, we would get off of the things that we think are important and we would jump on to what you say is important. God, I pray that you, pray that you would place a name on each one of these cards that as we go throughout our life you would show us opportunities show us open doors that we would speak life into everyone that we come in contact with that we would speak greatness into them hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus I can you just pray and say God show me the people show me the faces Show me those that I'm supposed to reach out to right now. God, won't you show us? Won't you show us? Thank you, Jesus. Won't you show us, God? Show us, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You're amazing, Lord. You're amazing, Lord. Hallelujah, God. 
Hallelujah, God. Let me just pray over us. Jesus, I love you. And I just thank you for all that you're speaking to our hearts, all that you're getting us ready to do. And I pray that you would help us to do exactly what you want us to do. Help us to align ourselves with what you've called us to so that we don't miss out on the destiny you've designed for us. But we jump in with both feet and say, God, we're desperate. We're the crazy ones. We're the ones that will do whatever it takes to see our city come to Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.